Jesus really loves us. But I wanted to ask this question, and I wrote it down, and it's better to read it here, because I never knew I was going to be in that situation this morning in the first service. And in a way, I'm still in, in, in the same situation. Have you been in a situation where you have no idea you're going to get out of that problem? And you know that you've got no ability to get yourself out there. And you get filled with fear, and the best thing that you can do is go and hide. Just go and get in a dark corner and hide. Now, this morning I walked in here and I said, Lord, I, I, I don't feel ready. Um, I, I know the word that you've put in my heart, but I don't know how I'm going to put this together. So I came in here and I thought by myself, maybe I must find a little place here and just hide somewhere. And then the guys got hold of me and they prayed for me, you know, and I, I felt that heaviness lift. And what I actually want to just, there's a statement that's been made, and I want to make that statement this morning that really changed my life. And I want to say this, God is willing to clothe himself with us. Think about that. God is willing to clothe himself with us. What a risky thing to do. What a risky thing for God Almighty to take Emsley and clothe himself with me. That's scary. Because I'm going to embarrass him. With me clothed, it's going to be bad. God cannot be seen like that. Isn't that our attitude? If we say God wants to clothe himself with us. So he loves us so much that he's willing to put us upon him. That's quite a scary thought. I actually want to put it in another word. God wants to use our earthly vessels to demonstrate his power. Does that make sense? God wants to use us as weak as we are, as bad as we are, to demonstrate the fullness of his power. And I feel so small for God to want to do that. 2 Chronicles 20, 15. I, 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 I didn't give A.B. that because I don't want any scripture up on the board. I, I want you to hear it. And he said, listen, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and king of Jehoshaphat. This says the Lord. This is a prophet saying that. He said, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed as this great horde or this enemy in front of you. For the battle is not yours, but God's. You've heard that scripture. Where God says, the battle is not yours. It is mine, says the Lord. It's my battle. It's not your battle. And you know, the, the, the normal thing for me as a human being is I want to hold the steering in my hand. I want to fight this battle. I want to sort things out. I will stand up against it. I want to do deliverance. I want to pray. I want to fix the enemy. But the Lord says, it's not your battle, it's mine. Then in Matthew 19, 26, but Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. 
and then the scripture that that's the essence. 2 Corinthians 4 7. Listen very carefully to this. But we have this treasure in a jar of clay that show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Can I say it again? But we have this treasure in a jars of clay that show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. What story comes to mind when I read that scripture? And that's the story I want to a little bit focus on this morning. And that is Gideon. You remember the story of Gideon. We have this treasure in jars of clay. There's a treasure in this jars of clay. And I want to use Gideon as an example. And I want to start by telling you the story. You know, for at that time, Israel was actually evil in the eyes of God. They were serving Baal. They had altars up for Baal and Ezra poles, and they were serving Baal. So God said, if you're then evil and you're not following my ways, then, then I'm going to give you over to the Midianites. And for seven years, God has given Israel over to the Midianites. And he said, you plunder them and you put pressure on them. And when we read scripture in, in Judges 6 and 7, we find that, that every time Israel had their crops ready for harvest and they harvested and their livestock was ready, then the Midianites and some others cross the Jordan and come in and take everything from them. And it was so bad that they actually were hiding in mountain cliffs and in caves where the Midianites couldn't get them. But there were so many Midianites that could find them and take it from them. How would you feel that every time, every month, your salary or your pension pays in and, and a person walks into the door and takes your laptop uh, or wherever and types in there and empties your account and says, bye-bye. Every time you work hard for it, come in and just take it. And because of Israel's evilness before God, God put them in the hands of the Midianites, and that's what for seven years they had to face. They work hard. Everything has been taken from them. They don't even live in houses. They live in caves and cliffs in, in the mountains. And then at a point, they got to a point that said, God, help us. Do you think God responded? If they're so evil, would you respond? Interesting, God responded immediately. What did he do? He sent them a prophet. Don't say what the prophet's name is, but he sent them a prophet and he said to the prophet there, tell them, I want them not to serve the God of the Amorites. But you didn't listen to me. Okay? So that's interesting. So I thought, okay, Lord, you say that, but are you going to solve the problem now? So he sent a messenger and said, you didn't listen to me. I warned you about that. That's why I put you seven years in, in the, the, the hands of the Midianites. But then immediately after that, 
I don't know if what's the time limit that the, the more clever guys can maybe tell us that between that two verses. But the next verse is, and God sent an angel to who? To Gideon. Now, if you, if you want to solve a problem, who will you look for to solve a problem? The best of the best. The most equipped. The guys with the most money, the guys with the most resources, that's the person I'll get to solve the problem, isn't it? But where does God go? Where does he go? Go to Gideon, the weakest of the weak. Where does he find Gideon? Threshing wheat in the wine press. So maybe the Midianites didn't drink wine. They didn't bother about wine presses. No, I don't know. But he was hiding. And then the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon that was full of fear and in hiding. And how does he answer him? The first thing that the angel said is, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Does that make sense? Huh? There's a rat hiding behind a cupboard. And the Lord comes to him and says, or the angel of the Lord comes to him and says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. I mean, Gideon will maybe looking behind him and says, is this angel talking to somebody else? Is he talking to me? It doesn't make sense to him. But it's interesting, God spoke to Gideon in the way that he's seen him. That's how he looked at him and see this mighty warrior. It's not the way Gideon looked at himself. So when God speaks to us and he calls you a mighty warrior, he look at you the way that he sees you, not the way that you see yourself. Because we belittle ourselves constantly. And this morning on my way here, I said, Lord, you put this word in my heart, but I couldn't get everything together. So I don't know how it's going to come out. And the Lord says, I'm going with you. You just open your mouth. And I have to trust him. I have to trust him. Is it possible for Emsley to put this together? And there's no way. There is no way. So I've got to allow the Lord to speak through me and explain what he put in my heart because I, I, I struggle to put it in words. And then what is interesting, when he called him a mighty warrior, Gideon replied, what, what do we normally do? We, we blame shift. And Gideon said, but uh, why is God doing this to us? Where is this powerful God that our fathers told us about? And then something interesting happened. You see, Gideon again, a rat hiding, the weakest of the weak, saying to the angel, trying to blame shift, said, but where is this God? Where is this power of this God? And then it says in the scripture, the Lord turned to him and looked at him. You remember two weeks ago, I quoted um, uh, Psalm 32, 8. The Lord said, I will teach you and instruct you, and I will guide you with my eye. Watch what happens here. When Gideon starts blaming, the Lord turned to him, the angel turned to him and faced him and looked into his face. 
And then things started to change. As he looked into his face, he said to Gideon, or, or, or he said to Gideon, go in the strength you have and save Israel. They dropped the bomb. Can you believe it? Yes, Gideon, hiding, the weakest of the weak. And God says, go in the strength you have and save Israel. What would you do? What would you do if God pitches up one night at your house and say, go in the strength you have and save South Africa? Oh my goodness, where do we start? That's a scary thing. But that's what God said to Gideon. So what does Gideon do? He goes into default mode again. He said, but I'm the weakest of the weak. How can you say that to me? How do you expect me to save Israel out of the hands of the Midianites? And then he thought, okay. And the Lord said to him, I will be with you. So he said, okay, I've got to test it. And then Gideon said to the angel of the Lord, don't go anywhere. Just, 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 just wait here so I can go and get my offerings and bring it before you. Okay, that's normally what you do in the presence of God. So the angel of the Lord said, okay, I'll wait for you. So Gideon runs home, gets his offering, prepare everything, bring it to the angel of the Lord, put it on a rock, stood back, and the angel of the Lord had a staff in his hand, and he touched it, and fire came out of the rock and consumed it. And pew, gone he is. And Gideon thought, wow, I'm in trouble. He's not worrying about the Midianites anymore. He's worrying about, I've seen God face to face. And what did my father's taught me? If you see God face to face, you will surely die. So now that rat is fearful about dying before he can save Israel. And then the angel answered him and said, you will surely not die, but I will be with you. Go and do the job. Now, I don't know what happened in between, but then there's a second test that came out. Now, Gideon tested God. Now God's going to test him. So the first test, Gideon had to go. So here it is. Go and with the strength you have and go and save Israel out of the hands of the Midianites. Okay, where do you start? And maybe he said, Lord, where do I start? And the Lord said to him, okay, a good place to start is go and take the second bull in your father's herd and break down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole. And then you build the altar to me on that spot, on that height. And then you sacrifice your dad's second bull. Now, I mean, who was afraid of their father? Now, Gideon had quite a, a I believe, a, a, a father that was, was, was strong. So, I mean, now he starts sweating. I've got to save Israel, but now God starts me closer to home. I've got to get things, my dad's bull and his altar to Baal. So what did he do? 
was fearful. So, at, he got a couple of friends, and in the dark of night, they did it under hiding. And then when the sun came up, they were finished. And where did he go? Most probably back to the wine press and hiding. And then when the, when the men woke up in town and they looked at what happened, they said, who did this? They must surely die. And they did some investigation and they found out it was Gideon. Now, I wonder what was their response. Gideon? There is no way. That rat. Go find him in the wine press. He's hiding there. But this doing, now it's no way. So all of a sudden they realized that the weakest of the weak has stepped out in faith and do something that is beyond his ability. So they went there and said to his dad, let your son come out. We, we must kill him because he has broken down the altar of Baal. So of course a dad will protect his son with everything. And he was a wise dad. He said, well, you know that if you stand in the gap for Baal, he'll kill you. So if Baal is then this great God, then he'll sort Gideon out. And they all agreed and said, okay, if that's the case, so be it. So everybody settled. So it doesn't tell us what did Gideon do after that. It just tells us what happens next. And what happens next is telling us that, that the, 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 the Midianites and the Amalekites and other eastern people crossed the Jordan. Why do you think they crossed the Jordan again? Of course, to come and do their yearly raid and take all the crops and take all the livestock. Okay? Now, those thousands of people crossing the Jordan and they camped on this side of the river. And then he tells us something. The Spirit of the Lord came over Gideon. That's an interesting thing that happened. The Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon. What did he do? He blew the trumpet and said, His clan, come, follow me, and send messages out to all the clans of Israel. And says, come and follow me. Don't you think? Would you follow a guy like that, that's constantly in hiding and that's the weakest of the weak? Now he jumps up and blows the trumpet. And what do we see in Scripture? 32,000 men came together to follow him. What made the difference for him, for them, to follow that man? The anointing of God came upon him, and he blew the trumpet. So what happened there? God clothed himself with Gideon. God put Gideon mask on him, blew the trumpet. And what was the result? 32,000 men responded to follow Gideon. God clothed with Gideon. And then all of a sudden, God came to, to Gideon and says, okay, you've got 32,000. 
And Gideon looked over at the enemy camping and he realized, but there's 135,000 of them. Now, if they had calculators then, I don't think their response would have been that great. But even so, God's anointing was on that. And 32,000 against 135,000. They say that you couldn't count the camels. It was as much as the sand on the seashore. So it must have been quite a, uh, a picture to see 135,000 enemy camping together, coming to raid. And now Gideon has pulled himself into a, into a snit and said, I'm going to sort them out. Why? Because God came upon him and said, this is the time for you to do it. But what's now what God is doing? God came to him and said, 32,000 is too many. I mean, 32,000 against 135,000, it's too many. God, what do you mean? He said, tell them, those who are shivering with fear, send them home. So Gideon maybe was on the top of the list. said, Lord, can I also go with them? That's in between. God says, no, 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 send them. And he said, okay, you that's fearful, go. And the Bible tells us they dropped everything and left. Now, I mean, a soldier that dropped everything and leave is really scared. So 22,000 left. Poof, just there. So 10,000 is left. Now, I think Gideon is sitting there, Lord Jesus, how is this going to work? 10,000, 135,000. And Lord came to him and said, there's still too many. Okay, Lord, how do we do this? He said, take them to the water and let them drink. And I'll, I'll divide them then. Now, how did they drink? There's guys that went and they lapped the water like dogs. They went down on their knees and they bent down and put their mouths in the water and drank. And there's others that knelt down, put their hands in the water and brought the water to their mouth. What do you think is the difference? The ones lapped the water like dogs is guys that's only looking after their own benefit and it's not sharp you don't want to take a troop into war like that so lord said send them home he had to send 9700 home 300 left 300 against 135,000. does that make sense no it doesn't make sense so now the lord said okay now you're enough now during the night the bible tells us God want, went to Gideon and said to Gideon, it's time to attack. But then the Lord said to him, if you're still fearful and you're not sure, I want you to go down to the enemy camp and go listen what they say. So Gideon confirmed that he was scared. So he went down and now he's listening to the guys are saying. And he heard two guys sitting around the campfire saying, the one guy said, I had a dream. I saw this round um, uh, loaf of barley bread roll down the mountain and crush a tent. Big deal, a tent. Well, what's so dangerous about that? But then the other guy gave the interpretation. He said, I know what it means. It means that God has given all of us into Gideon's hands. 
And then Gideon realized, but they fearful of me and of the army that God has done. So he got the confidence and he went back and he said to his guys, all right, time is ready. We must do it now. But there's something in scripture that, that if you haven't been in the military, you might not pick it up. It says he took the 300 and he divided them into three groups. That's 100 each, which is a company, three companies. But then his, the timing of the attack, listen to this. The timing of the attack, the Bible teaches this, was in the middle, the middle part of the God session. It means when the gods have changed into fresh gods. Now, when we normally would attack, we'll wait for the guys to, just before they change God. That's a good time because those gods are tired. God says, no, 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 no. I want them to have fresh gods now. Why? Because God wants the honor for everything that's going to happen. 300 against 135,000. The gods have just changed. And now it's getting worse. Gideon goes and he gives each one of the 300 a trumpet and a clay jar. And he puts a, 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 a lamp or a, a, a torch in the clay lamp. And he said, you're going to fight against this 135,000 with this. Does that make sense? No, it doesn't. So how are we going to handle this thing? And then there's a specific sequence that I believe Gideon was told by God how to do it. He said, first, you encircle them. Then you first blow on the trumpet. Then you break the jar. And then you take the torch in your left hand and the trumpet in your right hand. And then you shout. Sword of the Lord and for Gideon. Now what do you think? The enemy would do. If I did that on the border with Swapi, uh, they'll laugh at me. But in this case, God said, that's the way I want you to do it. And they did that. And we know what's the rest of the story. The enemy turned towards themselves and killed everybody and ran away. And then they killed everybody as they followed up. What's the moral of the story here? What's the moral of the story? Each one of us are facing difficult situations. We're facing areas we don't know how to handle it. It might be financial. It might be physical, health-wise, uh, emotional, whatever it might be. And we look at this. And what do we normally do? We go and look for somebody that is good enough and well-equipped to help us. We go for counseling. Why are we going for counseling? Because we need advice from somebody that can help us. That's better than us. And the Lord says, no. You're good enough, mighty warrior. You can face your problems directly. Maybe it's a very direct word for the two of you. You're facing something for your whole life. You've struggled to contain that thing. 
And you're always looking for somebody else to help you. But God says, no. You, mighty warriors, you can do it yourself. And you say, Lord, but we're the weakest. And the Lord says, I don't know at the weakest. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to clothe myself with you. And then my anointing will be upon you. And then you just follow my instructions. And what, what, what does he want us to do? He's very clear with that, the way he, he worked with Gideon. He said to Gideon, blow the trumpets first. What is that? Declare the word of God. So what do we do when we face our troubles? Instead of looking for somebody else, we face it ourselves and declare the word of God. And you can start by saying, Sunday it was preached that Gideon, the weakest of the weak, God clothed himself with him. And he took with 300 men, 135,000. So this problem doesn't stand a chance. So I declare the word of God. And then you can take scripture and you can start reading scripture. And you can go to Romans 8, 37. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. There it is in the word. We declare the word. We blow the trumpet. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be to God. He gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. There it is, enemy. Look at that. Matthew 19, 26. But Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. God has clothed himself with me. So it's going to be possible because I don't determine the outcome of this fight. God said it's his battle. There's scripture. Blow the trumpet. 2 Corinthians 10, 4. For this weapons of our warfare are not of flesh and blood, but have divine power to destroy the strongholds. So we're not coming with, with funny stuff and with, with deliverance stuff and with swords and with spears. We're coming with cracks. And brokenness. Because after we declared the word of God, the second thing we need to do is we need to be broken. We need to not to be scared to be vulnerable. Don't look at the cracks in you. Thank God for the cracks. To be broken. Thank you for being broken. Why? Because only when we're broken, the light inside of us will shine, Jesus Christ. And it's that light in those clay jars that went and put the enemy to flee and turn against themselves. And then we declare God's glory. And this is why this scripture that I read before, 2 Corinthians 4, 7, but we have this treasure in jars of clay, referring to bodies, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. That's why it's so important. That doesn't matter what we face. COVID has created a lot of problems for everybody. But we do not have to worry about what we face. Because the Lord promised us the battle is His and not ours. He said, he'll fight, fight the battle for us. 
All we have to do is trust him to clothe himself with us. And that us be broken and full of cracks so that that light in us can shine. That is the most important thing of all. We look at scripture, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 20 verse 4. For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies, to give you victory. That's a promise. Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. This is my question this morning. When we are broken, what shows? What does people see? What does the enemy see? Is there light or is there darkness? And you know what? I just want to make sure that we all deserve nothing. But we all have been given his grace. Say, so if, if I'm in your life, Jesus said, if I'm the center of your life and you belong to me, I take control of your life. I clothe myself with you. Then when you face problems, you do not have to be scared of it. Because when you are broken, I will shine through you. 